Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today we are joined by former Marvel Comics editor, current Valiant Comics editor, Heather Antos, talking all about her amazing career. We'll also be discussing Funko Pop's customized Broadway edition with Amber Kempter from BroadwayGoesPop.com. Stand by. We're talking to And we thank you for listening to us once again on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. This show, as always, brought to you by the wonderful people in historic St. Charles. That website, discoverstcharles.com. We will talk about them a little bit more as the show progresses. But I want to get right to our first interview. We're joined now by Heather Antos, the editor for Valiant Comic Books, previously with Marvel. And uh, we're going to talk all about her work. Heather, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks very much for taking time out of your, um, what I'm sure is a busy schedule (laughs) to to talk with us on the radio. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I mean, Comic-Con's only next week. It's so, you know, we're pretty lax around here. (laughs) Right. I'm sure. I'm sure. Not much going on. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you're with Valiant, what, uh, I, I began reading Valiant, uh, back when they started up in the 90s with uh, Exo Man of War, Shadow Man, uh, the big crossovers they did for Unity. And it's so cool to see that ever since this uh, kind of revival, I guess, in 2012, how Valiant's just really kind of pushed the boundaries, taken, uh, taken the bull by the horns that it weren't really stayed true to their roots, but also they're creating these great new characters. It's got to be such a great time for you to come in now as editor with this group. Oh my gosh, it's it's honestly the best time here to be working in the Valiant universe. You know, as you said, with the relaunch just a few years ago, everything's been, you know, refreshed and made to fit a more modern audience. But like you said, you know, it's still staying true to the core of the universe and core of the characters. But what's most exciting is, you know, as we're gearing up towards uh, 2020 with the release of the Bloodshot film, uh, you know, things are only getting bigger, things are only getting greater, and, and we're only, you know, we're only doing more stuff. So there's there's no limits right now, and it's just a lot of fun to be playing in this wheelhouse. And talking about some of the newer characters, not new characters per se, Livewire was back in <laughs> Harbinger books, uh, but and characters like Faith who were around in the original Harbinger. But uh, the, the new characters and the mix of old, how is that balancing between uh kind of merging these not two separate worlds per se but kind of blending the new and with the old or is there any uh what are the difficulties i guess i mean there's not really any difficulties it's more about you know just like any storytelling it's all about 
keeping things organic and, um, you know, you, you just don't force anything. These characters already existed in this universe anyway, so they're already aware of each other or they're aware of, you know, uh, the whereabouts. Of, of different things and it, and it's just bringing someone new to the forefront um it, it's it's just like in in thor um you know jane foster wasn't always a big deal um but then slowly and slowly you you brought her to the forefront and then she got her own book it's it's the same exact thing um you know fans latch on to these characters and their love and excitement for these characters is, is contagious with other fans and that's what gets more fans to pick up these books and us as publisher, publishers will, will realize this especially with social media and conventions out there now you know things like harbinger it's like oh wait no like people are picking up harbinger because of livewire people are picking up harbinger because of faith like let's give them their own shot and it's got to be i could never be an editor because i have trouble saying no to people but it's got to be I guess, <laughs> part of the difficulty especially in a position as editor where you you might love the ideas people are bringing to you but you've got to you know draw a line say no well let's take it in this direction as a creative person i would also think that they might be some hurt feelings how is it uh as an, how have you found working as an editor um obviously doing freelance work with stuff that's a little easier i guess versus a corporate type entity like marvel or valiant I mean, you know, it's it's at the end of the day, it's all about keeping things professional. Um, when when we're hiring writers or artists for things, like they understand that we're the client, and so at the end of the day, their job is to give us what we want. It's our job in order to it's our job as editors to make our vision clear um, for what we need slash want. And um, but but it's you know it's it's us giving them the keys in order to the keys and tools in order to tell the best story that they can with these characters. Um, and, and it is difficult sometimes when things don't work out or the pitch isn't exactly what you want. And you'll get to a certain point where you realize, you know what, this just isn't working. Maybe this isn't the right casting. Um, but that happens. That's, that's few and far between. Um, it, it, it's at the end of the day, it's just, you know, remembering as editors, our, our job, our goal is to protect the integrity of the character and the integrity of the book. And, um, luckily most of our writers, you know, or just writers and comics in general are such fans of the world and the characters that that's what they want to. Um, so, you know, we're all on the same page. We're all on the same team. We all just want to tell great stories about these characters. Working backwards from it, talking about your work on Marvel with the, especially the star Wars books, uh, star Wars obviously had originally been, kind of uh, taken over by Dark Horse. They have the whole expanded universe. For Marvel to get those rights back and be able to tell those stories and for you to be right there when all that happened, I mean, anybody getting to work on Star Wars, it had to have been a dream come true. I still can't believe I did it. <laughs> I mean, like, I I was the kid who grew up on the playground, you know, playing. I was I was Princess Leia on the playground growing up. And in, in high school and college, you know, I would sit with my D&D group and we had a star wars tabletop game that we played for six years you know um where we would sit around and tell like the stories of oh wouldn't it be cool if han solo did this or wouldn't it be cool if we did this with our theater and then that became my job um you know i got i got paid to have those same conversations and then make those stories canon and it, it's it, so incredibly lucky and the star wars fans are the best fans in the world um their their passion is just so strong and um you know they're so excited and they love love this this franchise and to get to be a part of it at a time um like 2015 when it came back to marvel 
when the new movie was coming out. Like, it, it was just, it's unexplainable. There's no words that can describe what it was like. And I'm wondering, too, working on, obviously, when you've got the, the, the standalone Star Wars stories and you've got the Princess Leia and Darth Vader books, but then there's also the movie adaptations like Force Awakens. Are they harder to work on the direct movie adaptations than doing the kind of creator-owned, uh, Marvel-owned stories on their own, or is it uh, not really much difference? Uh, there's, there are different processes, for sure. I mean, um, you know, with with, like... Karen and Aaron, Jason Aaron's run on Star Wars, you know, those are new stories that have to be vetted and go up the food chain and, and make sure they fit with the rest of the universe and, and continuity. But with things like Force Awakens or Last Jedi or the Rogue One adaptations, what makes that a challenge um, is, you know, everyone already knows the story. They've seen it. So how do you keep it fresh and exciting and get them something new, um, tell it in a different perspective? Um, so that fans who pick up the books feel like they're getting something that they didn't get in the theater. Um, and so, like, that's the tricky part there is, oh, well, maybe we can tell this scene from someone else's perspective, you know, tell this from a stormtrooper's pers- perspective in- instead of Jim's, you know, or-, or-, or things like that. And, of course, that has to get vetted as well. Um, so ultimately, it just it depends on what challenge you're up for. And we should mention, too, you are the co-creator of Gwenpool, which kind of took off. <laughs> Uh, unbelievably, was that when you worked on it originally, was there any thought in your mind that this would be such a big deal? And we're going to get that answer about Gwenpool from Heather Antos, editor of Valiant Comics, right after this. Stand by. This is Greg Grunberg, Snap Wexley from Star Wars, and it's all geek to me, my friends. Welcome back, listeners. Before we went to break, we were talking with Heather Antos, former editor of the Star Wars books on Marvel Comics, now current editor of Valiant, but we had to get into her co-creation, Gwenpool, which was a cross between Gwen Stacy and Deadpool that she did for Marvel Comics during her run there, and here's what she had to say about creating Gwenpool. We had no idea. Like she, I mean, she she came from a variant cover, you know, and people right. latched, yeah, people latched onto that variant cover and automatically started doing fan art. They started doing cosplays of her, and uh, you know, we saw this as an opportunity to do something new. Um, you know, this has never really happened before in comics, and <laughs> we really wanted to create something special. And I can't like. It, to be able to create a brand new character that's not really based on anything in the universe aside from a costume and to have her last 25 issues in this era that like, you know, Iceman and Gambit can't last five issues on their own. It's, it's <laughs> remarkable. And that just, that just speaks to the love for her that the fans had and to see her now in video games and statues and toys and merchandise. It's, 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 as you said, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's it's amazing. And I, I love her fans more than anything in the world. And now that you're over at Valiant, uh, you mentioned the Bloodshot movie coming out, I think, in February of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah? Correct. And that's got to be uh, such a big deal, we, with especially with the, uh, glut's not the right word, but the just the uh, huge amount of comic book adapted properties we're seeing with Umbrella Academy on Netflix. And we're getting a new Hellboy movie. And... Uh, to have finally the Valiant world on the big screen, 
again, you're working at Valiant during this time must be just amazing. It's it's incredible. I mean, you know, I've only been with Valiant two, uh, a little over two months now. And just a couple weeks ago, you know, we sat down and got to watch the sizzle reel for the Bloodshot film and, you know, what the with the directors and the studio have in mind and are planning. And it's just amazing. And it's, and it's so cool to, to see, you know, their vision that early on um, and how they want to bring a comic book character to life in a movie universe and have it make sense. Um, and, and to, to, you know, to have someone with, with the fan base and the crowd that Devin Diesel has as the character is super exciting. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of other, you know, uh, Hollywood deals and development with our characters. So this is, it's just the beginning. It is, it's just the beginning. And I wish I could talk more about the stuff that we're working on. But unfortunately <laughs> I can't, um, but it, it, it all looks so awesome and I'm very excited and next year can't come soon enough. So maybe this might not be a question you can answer then, but I'm curious, obviously if uh, bloodshot does well, which I can't imagine it wouldn't do well. Um, with DC recently deciding they're going to back off from doing interconnected world and kind of doing standalone movies with their characters, Marvel having great success the opposite way, doing kind of combined universe. Are you even able to comment on whether or not we will uh, get like a bloodshot and a shadow man and a faith that are interconnected or will they be standalone movies or is that not anything you can mention? Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I just figured I'd ask a uh, very exciting time though, to see all this stuff uh, happening and, I think everyone's on the edge of their seat waiting to see what we'll get next as soon as the new one comes out. The uh, We've got, I, I got to mention Penguins, because your Twitter feed uh, <laughs> talking about all of the different, uh, the fans jumped on it too. Your followers and the fan of Valiant Comics were giving ideas for here's XO Penguin or XO Penguin of War or whatever they were doing. Was, did that surprise you how quickly everyone took to that and was throwing ideas at you? Oh my gosh. So yeah, like, Penguins are kind of my brand. Um, I, I love penguins a lot. Uh, even before I was at Marvel, I was poking, you know, Deadpool creators. When are we going to get a penguin pool? When are we going to get a penguin pool? And uh, so it kind of became a thing with Marvel talent that I worked with to sneak penguins into every single comic I worked on. So in like the Deadpool 2099 comics, there's, there's a penguin pool 2099 hidden in the background. And the Deadpool 300 cover where there's 300 Deadpools, there's a penguin pool on it, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> One pool has a penguin backpack. Um, Annie Mae and Renew Your Vows had penguin posters on her walls. Um, it got to the point where people who, artists who I was friends with started sneaking penguins in comics that I had nothing to do with. Um, <laughs> and it, it's just it's just a lot of fun. And so... I I just started joking on Twitter one day. I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to, you know, do Penguins of the Valiant Universe? And the Valiant fans just hopped onto it. And I started getting fan art. And like, I have a wall of Penguin, Valiant Penguin fan art in my office. <laughs> um, I've collected it all. I have, like, 20 different pieces. It's incredible. Um, you know, we, we've got the internal wa- Waddler for the internal warrior, um, Peng Mambo. <laughs> Uh, you know, Shadow Gwen, like it's, it's, it's incredible. And it, that just speaks to, you know, um, I think the love of fun and the love of these characters that, that Valiant fans have, which it's, it's really made me feel just like so welcomed into the Valiant family. Um, Cause the Valiant fans are so fierce. And so to see them latch onto, you know, my absurdity, right from the get-go was very heartwarming. It must be very rewarding because a lot of people, uh, they might be like a Marvel fan or DC fan, but you've got 
Uh, very strong following on Twitter. We should mention it's at Heather Antos. If you'd like to follow her on Twitter and Instagram, uh, the website, heatherantos.com. But you've got a following all your own that has just gravitated with you as you move, which to what would you attribute that in an age where uh, fandom can be fickle at certain points, but you've got such a loyal following to what would you attribute that? I, I honestly, like I'm blown away by it all the time. I don't, I don't necessarily understand it, um, but I'm so thankful and grateful for the love and support of my fans that I have. Um, you know, I I make these books and tell these stories for for them. You know, they they love these characters, and and that's why I do it. You know, I I, I remember when I was just going to comic cons and meeting creators and meeting editors, and um, to get that one on one reaction and and conversation and just say hello, um, and 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 just share like my love of Batman with Scott Snyder as a fan and um, have that conversation um, with, with Jerry Duggan when I was reading the good, bad and the ugly um, out of college and what that story meant to me and, and to have, you know, see a creator like my tweet or see a creator respond to me um, made me feel really special and it made me want to just support them more. And so like, that's a very important thing for me. Um, I love my fans. I love talking to my fans, meeting my fans at cons. Um, and I think that's just so important because we, as creators, wouldn't be telling our stories without their support. And I think that's very important for all creators to remember. And, you know, your, your fans are your family. And looking down uh, the pike, what we can expect coming up from Valiant, uh, there's a lot of great books to be read. Do you have any particular favorites that you think the fans should be on the watch out for that are coming out either in March or April that uh, are really have you excited? Oh my gosh, Punk Mambo is about to come out um, with Colin Bunn and Adam Gorham. It's a fun action, uh, kind of creepy book uh, about a girl with a pink mohawk. I mean, what's not to love? Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Forgotten Queen is launching, which is a fun fantasy, fantasy action hero book. Incursions coming out right now, which is just some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful art. This summer we have, we're just launching Psylords, which has been teased literally for years. So that's coming out. Um, lots of, lots of big things are happening. Um, the books have never looked better. The talent has never been greater. And it's, as we said, like we're only building to better and stronger things towards 2020 with the launch of the film universe. Very exciting. You can follow Valiant Comics at valiant comics on twitter and of course the website so you can get more information on the books we just mentioned valiantentertainment.com heather antos editor for valiant comics thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us it's been a real pleasure to speak with you thank you so much for having me uh i would love to talk again sometime absolutely hopefully we'll run across you we do cons occasionally hopefully we'll uh get the chance to actually meet face to face and i'll bring a gwenpool statue for you to sign perfect (laughs) thanks so much for your time today have a great one thank you you too Heather Antos, editor of Valiant Comics. We're going to take our next break. Come right back talking with Amber Kempter, the founder and CEO of Broadway Goes Pop. For all you Broadway and Funko Pop fans out there, stand by. This is Barry Boswick, and damn it, Janet, would you just keep listening and come back to Geek to Me Radio, will you? I have one thing to say, and that's damn it, Janet, I love you. We are back. The road was 
I love social media uh, because you find such interesting people on it. Uh, if you're if you're on social media, please follow me at Geek to Me Radio on Twitter and Instagram. And on Instagram, I came across an account. Uh, Amber Kempter has a company called Broadway Goes Pop, where she takes Funko Pops, which everyone loves Funko Pops, and she custom makes them into Broadway characters. And they're based on a lot of the new ones like Dear Evan Hansen and Hamilton Pops that aren't made by Funko. Uh, but we reached out to her because it was such a cool site, and I loved her Instagram feed. You can follow her. Uh, we'll get more into that as we uh, interview her. But we ended up having a nice little chat with Amber Kempter. We're talking now with Amber Kempter, the uh, owner and creator of Broadway Goes Pop, which I found on Instagram. And it's very cool. If you're a Funko Pop fan, she does the Funko Pops in the style of some fascinating Broadway characters. Amber, thanks very much for talking to us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So this is such a cool idea. Everybody loves Funko Pops, and there's that huge uh, crossover between the Broadway world and the geek world. What was the impetus that started this idea for you? Um, so about, it's been about almost three years. We're getting close to three years ago. I got obsessed with Hamilton, the musical, obviously, just about everybody is these days. Um, <laughs> and I was really aware of Funko Pops, and I've always thought they were super cute, and I've always, you know, loved the different lines they've made for TVs and movie, uh, TV and movie shows. Um, so I did a quick Google search to see if they had created a Hamilton line because I thought this is a really popular show that would make a lot of sense and discovered that they had not done a line and also discovered that they didn't even have Broadway at all. And um, so in that search, I discovered also that uh, customizing pops is a thing that people did. I didn't even know that existed. So I did some research, um, did a lot of you know, Googling and watching different YouTube videos and uh, decided that I would just, you know, sit down and try making the pop for myself just for fun. Um, I've always been very, you know, crafty and artsy and, and like to have a creative outlet. Um, so I, I took a long time for me to just finally decide to actually do it, uh, ordered some parts, sat down on, literally on my living room floor and um, painted uh, my first pop, which was Hamilton. And, um, I posted it in a in a Hamilton fan group on Facebook, and everyone just kind of went crazy, and they kept talking about, you know, you should sell these. These are amazing. Where can I buy one? How can I get one? So um, at the time, I was also, I was working full-time at an insurance company, so, uh, and I'm a mom of three, so very busy, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I decided to just kind of do it on the side, a few here and there, um, you know, just for some extra spending money. And uh, I created a group on Facebook to, to sell them. And um, honestly, I it got to the point where I couldn't keep up with all three of those things, being a mom, working 40 hours a week, and doing the Broadway Goes Pop on the side. So, um, so you sold your kids. Six, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that might have been an easier, an easier <laughs> leap, honestly. Probably a little less expensive, too, you know, to get rid of the, the three kids. <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, it was about six months after I started that first pop. Uh, I put my two weeks in at my, my quote-unquote real job and decided to go forward with Broadway Goes Pop full-time. And um, it was a very scary leap. Uh, I had a really good job with great benefits and um, quite stable um, at a really good company. So it was, it was a scary leap, but I, it's been now two years since, that, since I quit my job. And uh, I 
haven't looked back once and regretted that decision for one minute. So uh, Broadway Goes Pop has been the best thing that's ever happened to me, and um, I I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, congratulations. That's amazing that uh, you took Thank something you. you love. That's, that's you know, every person's dream is to find something yeah. they love to do and be able to make a living at it. That's fantastic. So congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, Thank you so with, much. And I see on your Instagram, you travel a lot. You take in some shows here and there. How, uh, how much, I guess, of a Broadway fan were you before this notion ever came to you? Did you see shows on the regular? What was your uh, intake of Broadway culture like? Um, so I've always been a huge musical theater fan. My parents took my sister and I to see shows when we were really little. We went to, you know, every community theater show that was in our hometown and, you know, the high school shows and regional theaters. Um, the first big show I saw was Phantom of the Opera when I was in fifth grade, um, after my grandma got me super obsessed with it. Um, so I've always been a huge Broadway fan. Now I will say when my kids were little and I was very busy, with three of them running around. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the new stuff coming to Broadway. I would still listen to, you know, the old classics, Les Miserables, Phantom, Wicked, and those, but I wasn't so much paying attention to what was new until Hamilton. And then um, when I got obsessed with Hamilton and Broadway Goes Pop took off, now I, I really keep my finger on the pulse of what's new. So I, I do try to make it to New York City um, a few times a, a few times a year because I do live in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, so we, I try to make it out to New York City a few times a year to see, you know, new shows and get some new inspiration. It's always better for me if I can see a show in person to make to make new pops, and I just get much more inspired that way. Um, we do also get a lot of really good theater here in Omaha. Uh, we do we get a lot of the tours come through here because Omaha is a pretty big city. And um, we have some fantastic regional theaters here, too. So um, theater's always been a part of my life, always. And um, my kids are all theater-obsessed, all three of them. Um, so uh, it, it, it's really cool to, to have blended two passions with musical theater and art and created it. And now that's basically my entire life. And we're going to come right back after this break talking more about Broadway Funko Pops customized by Amber Kempter from BroadwayGoesPop.com. After this message, stand by. Hi, this is John Glover, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. I love a good geek. We're back. Who doesn't love a good geek? And who doesn't love a good Funko Pop? Amber Kempter is our uh, current guest. We're speaking with her about her love of Broadway and combining that with the Funko Pop craze that's taking us over. And you said staying current on musicals. I know the, the prom musical was one that just is hit, and you've already got uh, some Funkos out from that. Uh, yes. What's one of the older, like the classic, do you do any like Rodgers and Hammerstein? How far back do you go into the Broadway uh, repertoire to pull some of your inspirations from sure um those would be ones they would have to be requested or ordered i would say um i try to stick with what's new although i have done you know phantom i did a phantom i done a christine um i those aren't as back as far back as you're saying um but i do in my queue have a hello dolly pop that was requested um that will be coming out so it would just it really just depends on what my customers are wanting and asking for so with the hello dolly pop i gotta ask was it carol or babs um, I think actually it's going to be Bette Midler. 
because oh, it okay. was from the revival. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was wondering, with Carol Channing having just tragically passed, have you gotten any requests for uh, Carol Channing pops? Um, not pops, but I do make pins also, and I have we have I have discussed with people doing uh, like a Carol Channing pin as a memorial to her. So that has been that has been thrown around for sure. And so with the ordering from people that are getting these from you, do you start out with the prototype and say, hey, look, I made this Hamilton one and people request that? Or is it 50-50? You get a lot of people saying, hey, I'd really like to have this particular pop from this particular show. Yeah, it's a little it's a little of both. I have um, some pops that I, I've made them so long, they don't take me as long. I could basically at this point make them in my sleep. So I will, you know, make a big a batch of those and sell those. Um, but then also um, I'll, you know, do the custom orders and um and doing that way which is is a fun way for me to to branch out a bit i don't always have to make the same pops over and over again and it's you know something new to give to my customers also and on average you said like you can make them in your sleep if you just do a one-off how long do we talk are we talking like a day are we talking like an hour how long does it usually take for you to bust one of these out um i usually work on about 20 of them at a time so it's really hard for me to like put a finger on how long each one takes I would say start to finish, if I was just going to sit down and do one, I could probably get one done in two to three hours if I was just working on one. But it really depends on what, on what it is. Some of them take much longer than others. I made a rum tum tugger from Cats once, and just a paint job alone took me an entire day. So, wow. um, and that was after lots of sculpting and, you know, other things. So, um, so it just, it really truly depends on the pop and the details that are involved in um, sometimes the paint colors too, sometimes paint colors, some cover better than others. So sometimes they take more coats. So it just, it really just depends on the pop. But I would say if I was to just take a stab at it, two to three hours for a simple, a simple pop. And so are you able to keep up with the volume of orders on your own? Or do you have like, uh, are you putting your children to work helping you? Or are you almost <laughs> at the point now where you'd need to hire someone on? How's, how's it going so far? Yeah, no, it's it's pretty busy. I'm usually further behind than I'd like to be. Um, my kids do help me a lot with um, packaging up orders, um, especially with uh, pins because it's such a high volume. Um, my 11-year-old is extremely good at helping me package up. I can read her the orders, and she grabs the the items, and we, you know, I put them in the package and slap the label on. Um, so they're always willing to help with that. I haven't quite let the reins out on letting them help me paint quite yet. Um, but my mom actually helps me a lot with the painting. She's really good at um, throwing some of those initial coats on. So she's, she's helped me out a lot. But other than that, it's just me. So um, I have explored the idea of having some kind of assistant, um, but I've been talking about that for like over a year and it still hasn't happened. I, <laughs> I just uh, um, I have a hard time delegating. I just want to do everything myself. So, um, yeah, is, especially when it's your baby to give that over to somebody yeah. else and say, okay, do this. Then you're kind of like, oh, you're doing it right. Cause this is my project. Yeah. I need to make sure the quality's there. Exactly. That can be tough. Yes. Yeah. And I, is actually, this all... my old... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, my, my oldest daughter, I, I tried to have her sit down with me once and help me paint. And it was just, it, it was so overwhelming. It was like, no, no, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> nope. 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 That's not right. And so we had to just eliminate that idea for at least for now. <laughs> <laughs> and is this all still from your home do you have an office or a separate building uh how how what uh, what volume of pops do you buy for custom making on like a, a, do you buy them by the bulk by the month or is there a certain kind of pop uh, style that's better for you for doing customization 
Um, I do everything. I have a studio in my basement. Uh, we just, I had a, but previously to this, it was just what I called my craft room, um, where I had all my, uh, craft supplies hanging out and now it's turned into my, my pop studio. Um, I don't necessarily buy them in bulk unless I find a really good price, but I do have a lot of pops in my house. Um, my kids call our storage room, the mini mall, because it's (laughs) like there's boxes of pops, like to the ceiling of ones that I have just, you know, stocked up on when they've been on sale. Um, some, some of the places that sell pops will have, you know, really good sales or clearance deals on them. So I'll just buy a bunch all at once and have them on hand if I need them. And then I, I swap heads and bodies. So I'll have a giant bucket, a bucket of extra heads and a giant bucket of extra bodies that I haven't used yet. So, um, it's very interesting in my studio because there's all these little heads rolling around and bodies. And <laughs> when my kids have friends over, they, they think I'm really weird, but also really cool. So that works out. <laughs> and as far as selling them, have you had any pushback at all from Funko as far as, hey, you know, but, but I, was, I would assume because they're custom, it's not really you're not infringing on a trademark or anything like that, right? Yeah. Um, no, I haven't had any pushback. And from what I understand and have done some research, Funko is really uh, supportive of the of the customizing community. And I just try to stay away from anything that they've done. Um, you know, there's been a couple that I did and then they did. So I'm just like, okay, I won't do that one again. Uh, for instance, Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors. I did one of him like in the very beginning and then they just released one. So I just, I just won't do him again. So, um, which is unfortunate because he was really cute and I really liked the way he turned out, but um, I just try to stay away from anything that they've done. And do you have of all the ones that you've done so far? And I, I see on your Instagram page, there are so many, if you're listening right now and, and I uh, want to follow it's Amber Kempter, A M B E R K E M P T E R. And the website again yep. is Broadway goes pop.com of all the ones you've mm-hmm. got. Do you have one that you, have been meaning to get to and haven't gotten to yet that's on your bucket list or not bucket list, but uh, dream list of ones you want to do? Sure. There's so many, honestly, when I see shows, I, I, I design them in my head. So it's, it's hard for me to like even pick one. Um, I've designed some pins for, um, from the prom and I'd really like to make those into pops also. Um, I did make a, a prom pop for one of the ensemble members who I've been following since before. She, um, got the job in the show. So that was really cool. Um, but I, I would love to do some of the main characters. I think right now that's the one that's kind of burning in my brain just because I just saw that show and I loved it so much. So I would say right now that's the one that's like I, I would love to get out. And also Be More Chill is just about to be um, open on Broadway. And I made a Michael Mel pop from that show, but I also want to do Jeremy, the other main character. So I would say those probably are the two that are kind of you know, burning in my brain right now that I'd love to get out there. And since you're doing so many current pops, so you mentioned obviously Hamilton, but also prom, the other ones you've done, have you gotten any response, retweets, or, uh, you know, messages from the stars who you're modeling these after? They said, hey, I want one or anything like that. What's the what's <laughs> the most exciting one you've gotten? Um, I've, I've made pops for a lot of people in the shows. Um, almost every person who's been in Hamilton since I started this, has have gotten a pop almost i tried to make one for almost everybody and they are the most amazing people on this planet i'm telling you they are humble and thankful and incredible human beings um and i've gotten to hand deliver them to them after the show backstage and the they are so appreciative and it's just the best experience and um 
I don't know if I could pick one that's my favorite because they're all such great people. Um, the first, the first pop I ever delivered in person was to Javon McFerrin, who was one of the understudies in Hamilton. He actually just left the show, but his response to the pop like made me obsessed with delivering them in person. It's so much better than just sending them in the mail. Um, so when I go to New York, I try to bring as many with me as I can so that I can have the, have the pleasure of getting to see them open the box and see their look on their face when they see the pop. Um, so yeah, the the response from the Broadway community has been just amazing, and they're they're all just such great people. And I feel like they have been part of my journey. Also, their support has been part of my journey. So I appreciate all of them so much. Boy, if you have any kind of anxiety, having to transport these on a plane would make me. They must be going to carry on. I would assume. <laughs> yeah, they do. I have them. <laughs> yeah, I have them super wrapped, and they come in my carry on because I don't want them under the under the plane <laughs> at all. Right. Well, it's just a, such a fantastic story uh, how you you know were able to give up your day job to do something you love. Like I said, that's, I think, everybody's dream. So congratulations. Uh, once again, Thank the you. website is broadwaygoespop.com. Amber Kemper, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was great. And we're going to take our last break, come back and wrap things up, tell you more about our premier sponsor, discoverstcharles.com, and more. Stand by. Great hair. May the force be with you. This is Susan Eisenberg, voiceover actress, and you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back. The voice you heard, Susan Eisenberg. We've had her on the show several times in the past. She's probably our most uh, prolific guest. She's always a joy to talk to, and she'll be joining us on. March 24th, next week, we'll be talking about the release of Justice League versus The Fatal Five on Blu-ray and DVD, starring her and Kevin Conroy's back as Batman, George Newbern back as Superman. We're going to be giving away a couple of copies uh, that day, so definitely you need to follow me on Twitter, at geek to me radio uh, Follow me on Instagram as well, at geek to me radio and of course, Facebook.com slash geek to me radio Give the page a like there if you would. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, Joey V, my executive producer, always does a great job putting these shows up for me on my YouTube page. So if you are at work and you kind of want to put it on in the background and just put your headphones in and listen to it while you're at work, you can do that from YouTube. Go to YouTube, look for geek to me Radio. want to make sure we thank, once again, our premier sponsor, Historic St. Charles. DiscoverSTCharles.com is that website. They've been with us. Since the beginning, we started this in August of 2017, uh, and they've immediately jumped on board, said this is great, they love it, they do so many cool things. If you're in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, go over there, You, it, it's just like taking a step back in time, there's so many cool and amazing things to see, you could literally spend the whole weekend there, and a lot of people do. Uh, and never get bored. There's all sorts of fun things to do. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, there's the bike riding on the Katy Trail. Go jogging up and down there. Uh, you can do all sorts of fun things in Frontier Park. If you're a history buff, they got all the historic buildings uh, that are just great to see. The original cobblestone streets are there. The architecture, the little placards telling you this was the building where this happened. This was the first governor's house in, uh, from the state of Missouri because St. Charles was the first official state capital of Missouri before it was moved to Jeff City. If you're 
you're a foodie, they got tons of places up and down the street to eat. If you're from out of town, you're like, well, I'm not in the St. Louis area. This doesn't affect me. Yes, it does, because they've got fantastic bed and breakfasts. Come in town, stay at one of those. If you need something with a little more modern amenities, they've got great hotels, world-class stuff you can stay at and just enjoy. Just take it in. Some, uh, spring's right around the corner. Summer, right after that, a lot of people want to take vacations. St. Charles is a great place to do it. If you're planning a wedding and looking for someplace cool to get your wedding photos taken, that's where my sister-in-law had her photos taken down there on Historic Main Street. It's a great place. Something for everyone. Literally something for everyone. It's a fantastic place to visit. Uh, If you've not been before, you need to go see it. If you've been before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Check out the website to get more information. DiscoverSTCharles.com is that website. Uh, We are going to be back next week, like I said, talking with Susan Eisenberg. We had a guest on called, uh, his name was Nigel Tomasi, talking about a Kickstarter that he had for one of his projects. That Kickstarter didn't quite make its goal, which I felt bad about because we've always had people come on, talk about their Kickstarters, and they always make it. So I kind of consider myself a good luck charm for these Kickstarter campaigns. But he said he decided to uh, relaunch it. And it hit its goals immediately. The second time around, he wants to come back on, give our listeners who may have contributed an update, uh, talk about what they've got coming out from that. So we'll have him on air as well. We've got a lot of fun things in the works for the coming weeks. Uh, I don't want to give anything away because I'm still working on a couple of guests that I'm very excited about. And we are looking at possibly doing a live broadcast from Planet Comic Con that last weekend of March. We're still getting our ducks in a row for that. So lots of cool things coming down the pike. I would like to say, too, we're trying to expand the show. We're trying to get into a couple different markets. We need your help. If you uh, know of someone wanting to advertise, get their show or their, not their show, on my show, get their product or their brand or anything out uh, to a larger audience, radio is ubiquitous. Radio gets that out there so that we have a lot of listeners who listen to this in the St. Louis area and stream us online. And then there's also the after fact that we have this put up on Podomatic, which goes out to iTunes, everything. So these ads live in perpetuity. If you have a business or something that you would think uh, might benefit, put them in touch with me. If they sign on for a four-month contract or greater, we'll give you 10% of the sales on that sponsor that comes over. So I'm putting out a bounty I feel like Darth Vader putting out a price on the Millennium Falcon. If you want to be the Boba Fett or the IG-88 who brings that bounty in, send me an email. James at geek2meradio.com. That's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks to my guests, Heather Antos and Amber Kempter. Until next week. Good night.